Well, again, good evening. Good evening and happy Easter. My name is George Davis. Thank you for joining us for the first of our Easter services this weekend, whether in person or online. I want to welcome you and thank you for being a part of this celebration as we celebrate the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And and like us, throughout the world, millions of Christians this weekend will be gathering in churches of all shapes and sizes, celebrating the fact that the tomb is empty. But of course, even as that will be taking place this weekend, there there is another news event that has grabbed our attention over the last seven weeks, and and that was the invasion of Ukraine. And I, I I don't have to rehearse for you the atrocities that have been a part of that experience but here's, here's just one way to think about that action. One way to think about what's going on over there is it's an example of the abuse and misuse of power and authority. And we're seeing that play out on a global scale. In fact, some commentators are saying that the, the reality of what's going on there is an example of kind of an international tension between democracy and authoritarianism. But the truth is, even, even as we watch this play out on the global stage, the truth is you and I at times, we've, we've experienced the misuse and abuse of power, authority, in very personal ways. <laughs> maybe, maybe you're a student and there's just this one teacher and you're convinced he or she just hates you, right? And doesn't treat you fairly. I still remember, I still remember a middle school teacher uh, that had this quirky way of grading and I hated it. I complained about it all year. And interestingly, of all my middle school teachers, she is the only one I can remember by name. (laughs) And now you know why. I've I've gotten over it, but mostly, right? Maybe you've had an experience like that. Some of us have had experiences in the workplace where we've had supervisors who abused or misused their authority. Or maybe, maybe supervisors who were incompetent and you got stuck with their work or supervisors who played favorites and you were on the outside looking in or supervisors who just took advantage of their position to the disadvantage of other people. I still remember a friend of mine who was in a company on the west coast and he tells this crazy story about getting called by the FBI and the call went something like this. They informed him that his supervisor, his boss, was under a secret federal investigation for embezzlement. And they were asking for his help in doing part of the investigation. And what began with that phone call was a very hard, difficult, stressful season in his life. All because someone in authority and someone with power chose to misuse and abuse that authority. And it, I tell you that because in a real sense, when we think about the, the, the occurrences building up through the Easter week, one of the ways to think about that last week, that last season in the life of Jesus, is to point out the misuse 
an abuse of authority and power. Jesus is arrested in the middle of the night, and he's brought before Jewish authorities, and he will ultimately appear before that that Jewish council known as the Sanhedrin. And, And all of this is taking place during the dark of night. And they struggled a bit to understand how they can charge him. And there's no evidence that they actually violated Jewish laws or protocols, but they came right to the edge. And ultimately, they charge him with blasphemy. But due to the nature of that charge, they can't actually execute him. So he's sent to Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, who had that authority. And as you read the different gospel accounts, it it becomes clear that really the more Pilate interacts with Jesus, although he's confused by much of what Jesus says, the more Pilate becomes convinced he's innocent. But then Pilate is pushed into a corner. His back is against the wall. Because in essence, the threat is made, if you let him go, we will tell Tiberius Caesar. And that's not a risk Pilate wants to take. He doesn't want to jeopardize his relationship with Caesar. So he makes a decision, but the decision isn't made on the proper use of his authority and power. It's not based on the proper use of the Roman laws. It's based on an act of self-preservation and self-protection. And we can rack it up to one more great example in human history of the misuse and abuse of power by those in authority. And at this point, this is, right, this is the point at which in the story it's just natural to say, well, that's just the way the world works. Get used to it. This is just the way people in power and authority handle life, so let's just get used to it. But, but then everything changes. Because early on that first Easter morning, some of the followers of Jesus go to the tomb and they discover that it's empty. This is part of the way Matthew tells that story. He is not here, they are told. He has risen, just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples. He has risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I've told you, the angel says. So the women hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, (laughs) and ran to tell his disciples. Jesus had been raised from the dead. Now I realize that for for some, this is the point at which you start shaking your head, right? For some, it's kind of like, I I, I know the story up to here, but this is where I really have a lot of doubts and confusion and disbelief and just... You know, it's most likely they just made the story up. And if that's where you're at, let me just remind you that there were other movements in ancient Israel under Roman authority. Movements that were revolutionary movements. Movements under charismatic leaders. Jesus wasn't the only one during the Roman occupation who seemed to be this great new leader. 
But you've never heard of the other leaders because when the movement was defeated, when the leader was killed or he died, everything went with it. Jesus was different. Because Jesus was raised from the dead. And after the resurrection, he he would appear to multiple followers in various locations. And then we get to the famous conclusion that Matthew has of Jesus' life. We see Jesus giving final words of instruction to his disciples before his return to heaven. And, And we read these words. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. For many of us, those are familiar words, but note particularly, let's just think about this for a moment, note particularly that phrase, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. I realize for some, Easter is just kind of an inspirational story, right? It's just a great comeback story. But let the words that Jesus says here sink in for a moment. All, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Think about the implications. Think about them in personal terms. All authority includes authority over me. Authority over you. You see, the message of Easter is a message that makes a claim on each of our lives. And if you pay attention, really, to the life and teaching of Jesus, this shouldn't surprise you. Because even as a church, as we've gone through the life and teaching of Jesus over the last few months, remember the central claim, the central teaching, the central theme of Jesus' message was always the arrival of, of God's plan of rescue and redemption, God's kingdom. And Jesus was arguing he was the one who was bringing it into place. He would be the king. And with that comes an assertion of authority. So to take Jesus seriously, to take Easter seriously, even as we celebrate it this evening, we have to take seriously the claim that he's making on our lives right now. The claim that he is making on your life, even today. Now, I realize for some, this can seem threatening to talk in these terms. Right after all, we just, we just talked for a moment about the way authority can be misused and abused. And no matter how many illustrations I give, my guess is most of us have personal stories of our own. We have been there in some point in our lives. At some point, we have been the ones who were burned. 
And now Jesus, Jesus is the one claiming authority over me, over us. The authority to define who we are. The the authority to give our lives purpose and meaning. Interestingly, I think Jesus actually anticipated these concerns in his training of his disciples. Because remember, as he was preparing them for what was going to happen, and as they were making that long march back to Jerusalem for the final time, Jesus was clear. He's not like other leaders. He did not come to be served, but to serve. He came to use his power, his authority on behalf of others, not in selfish ways. He came to give his life as a ransom for many. So what if, what if, as we read these words, what if we read them as words of an invitation? An invitation to be forgiven. An invitation to be recipients of his amazing grace. Because while our our sin, our brokenness has created a barrier, separation between us and God through his death and resurrection, Jesus has now made it possible for us to be forgiven, to be restored. What if we hear these words as an invitation to experience new life, the life that only he can give? What if we hear them as an invitation to ground our sense of identity, our sense of meaning and purpose and worth in our relationship with him? What if we hear them as an invitation to participate in his ongoing mission so that my life and your life can actually be part of something much bigger, something much more profound, something much more meaningful? Now, to understand the the depth of this invitation, just think for me, think with me for a moment about this fact. The truth is, whether you receive Jesus' invitation or not, all of us are in the process of having and shaping our sense of identity, our sense of who we are and what our lives are about. Now I realize this is actually a pretty complicated topic when we talk about our sense of identity and all sorts of factors influence how our sense of identity is shaped. Nonetheless, I think in understanding ourselves, each of us have to start somewhere. For each, there is some foundational starting point to who we are. And let's just think about different ways we can shape our identity. I think for many people, the, the, the de facto setting when it comes to shaping our identity is this. Well, you, you know, to understand who you are, to figure out who you are, to figure out what your life is about, you need to look within. You need to be true to yourself, follow your dreams, follow your heart. Research by the Barna Group suggests that 91% of Americans agreed with this statement. The best way to find yourself is by looking within yourself. However, there's a a downside to this approach. It all depends on you. What happens if I fail to live up to my expectations? 
What happens if my dreams and desires change over time? Is the real me the person I want to become or the person I am right now? What happens when my desires don't align? What happens when some of my desires may be healthy, but others are unhealthy or harmful? Which, which is the real me? There's a downside to looking within. And I think also at work in our culture, another starting point, another way that many of us try to shape our identity is therefore by looking out. And by that I mean this, we we look out and, and basically say, who I am is defined by my context, by my relationships, by my family, my friends. My sense of self is defined by the verdict of other people. But this, this approach also has its problems. It can encourage me just to create an image that I want others to see. For instance, I can engage social media in a way that I'm careful to craft and curate my image and what others see of me. That's what I want them to affirm, and that's what I want them to think I'm like, but... But is that really who I am? By contrast, think about Jesus' interaction and his conversations with his disciples throughout the Gospels. Right? His underlying message was simply this. Follow me. Follow me. Because I'm the way. I'm the truth. I'm the life. If you you want to find your true self, you need to follow me. Don't start simply by looking in. Don't start by simply looking out to the opinions and views of others. (laughs) Start by looking up. Follow me. And as we see throughout... Throughout Jesus' encounters with his disciples, he was was inviting them into a relationship. He was inviting them into his grace. I mean, here's Peter, right? That that guy with all the bravado, the guy that, you know, kind of action first, Mr. I've got things under control, successful business owner. So much of his life, I think, was going his way. Jesus, I'm not going to let you die. I'm going to stand by you. I'm not going to let it happen. And then then he crumbles under pressure. But that's not the end of the story because he had been invited into a relationship. And then in John's gospel, we see that relationship restored. Because of the reality of God's grace. And, And that's what... Jesus was doing all along with his disciples. Inviting them in. Right? Inviting them to see a new way of life. Inviting them into a kingdom life which only he could establish. Inviting them to gain their sense of identity and purpose and mission from their relationship with him. And I think that invitation is summarized in a dramatic way 
and that conclusion to Matthew's gospel that we just read. Right, Jesus? <laughs> Jesus had invited them in into relationship. He invited them to follow him, to learn from him, to have their sense of identity shaped by him. And having invited them in, he said these words, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely... I am with you always to the very end of the age. Notice having invited them in, Jesus now sends them out. In fact, in this context, the statement on his authority is used to ground the commissioning of his disciples. And even as this was true then, with the early disciples, this is now true with us. In so many ways, this is the message of Easter. That Jesus is inviting us in. He is inviting us into relationship. He is inviting us into a new way of life. He is inviting us into his grace. And then he is sending us out as agents and messengers of his gospel, agents and messengers of his grace. So he invites us into relationship. He invites us into a way of life where our sense of identity, of meaning and purpose is now shaped by him. And as he invites us in, He also sends us out. He sends us out into our schools, our workplaces, our community organizations, our neighborhoods. He sends us out as people who reflect his character and live out the gospel. He sends us out as those willing to serve. He sends us out as a people who embody his compassion and concern for others. Even this week, we gave you the opportunity to go through the Easter experience. And as as you went through that experience, if you were able to do that, you walked through a picture gallery that reminded you of certain scenes that the disciples shared with Jesus. And as you went through that experience, you, you were walking through the journey of a disciple. Because even... As Jesus invited those disciples into a relationship centuries ago, he's inviting us into that journey today. But then you came to the final room in our Easter experience, and on the wall of the final room, you you saw this map. It's a map of our region. And you were invited to put a sticker on that map representing where you live. And as you can tell, lots of people did this. And if you look closely on the map, we're, we're all over the place, from Dauphin to Mount Joy, from Mechanicsburg to Ephrata. Our church family is spread throughout this community. And this map was just a visible reminder that even 
even as Jesus invites us in, he's also sending us out as a church community. And he's sending us out as a church community throughout central Pennsylvania. So this is, this is the message of Easter. It's the message we're celebrating. It's, it's the message that is offered to you even this day. It's the message of the one who invites you in. Into a relationship that saves you, that forgives you. Into a relationship that gives you a new sense of identity, meaning, and purpose. And it's also the message of the one who sends you out to live as part of his rescue plan. To live out his character and communicate his gospel. Now the choice is yours. On the one hand, you can choose to be skeptical of authority and power. You can consistently complain about those who misuse and abuse their authority. And if you're in the habit of doing that, you'll always find examples to point out. Or you can entrust your life to the one who has all authority and power in heaven and earth. The one who uses that authority to save and to restore. You can entrust yourself to the one who invites you in and the one who sends you out. With that in mind, would you pray with me? As we go to prayer this evening, we gather tonight and we come from different backgrounds and different life stories. And and the truth is, we're in different places spiritually. And maybe you're here tonight and you're, you're familiar with the the story of Easter, you're familiar with the message of Jesus, but you've never made the conscious decision to begin the journey of following. And if that's the case, let me just encourage you that this, this invitation, this challenge applies to you. And let me just encourage you that even tonight, Jesus is inviting you in He's inviting you into relationship. He's inviting you to experience his grace, his forgiveness, his restoration. And the Bible says we begin this journey of walking with Jesus by acknowledging our need, by acknowledging our brokenness, our imperfection, and putting our faith and trust in the work of Jesus Christ, the work that we're celebrating this weekend. We begin this journey through repentance and faith. And so if, if you're here tonight 
hear this invitation to you from Jesus to join him on this journey. And, and you, even in the quietness of this moment, you can, you can start that right now. You just, it's, not a, it's not about a magic formula or specific words, but it's just the posture of your heart to be honest with God and to say something like this to him, just to acknowledge your need. Father, I acknowledge my own sin and brokenness and my imperfection. But then also then to acknowledge the work of Jesus Christ and say, Father, I... I thank you for the gift of Jesus. I thank you that he died in my place. and That he was raised to new life. And so now I receive that gift so that I can begin this journey of walking with Jesus. And just thank him. (laughs) Thank him for inviting you in. And if that's where you're at tonight, I just invite you to take that step. to begin this journey as a disciple of Jesus. Likewise, for those of us who have already started that journey as followers of Christ, may you just take this moment as we've been celebrating the wonder of Easter, the victory of Easter, to acknowledge that through the work of the crucified and resurrected Jesus, we have been invited in. We have been invited into a new relationship. We have been invited into a new way of life. We have been invited by no work of our own into the wonder of his grace. And even now, having been invited in, he is sending us out. And he's sending you out. Whether you, whether you put a sticker on that map or not, I pray that this celebration of Easter would remind you that you have been invited in, but you're also being sent out to your family, to your neighborhood, to your school, to your workplace, to your community. You're being sent out as an agent of God's grace that's included in the message of Easter. So, Father, we gather tonight as your church, and we gather to celebrate the wonder, the victory of the resurrected Jesus. And, Father, in recognizing your triumph, your vindication, your work, we also recognize that through that work, we are your people who are being invited in and sent out. In Jesus' name, amen.